It's Friday, y'all, and you know exactly what that means. And if you don't know, you're about to find out, because it's time to listen to the classiest Canadian I know. It's time for the Fretzelmania podcast right here on WrestleAddict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fretz. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. Hey, it was my life, my time, my rights, my rhymes, my grind, my struggle, hustle, sweat, and my blood too. My predators smell fear, I smell a lot. My competitors flex here. They smoked, I was hot. I want it all. Excess, the sex, much success. Stress sucks. I want it all, no less. So come on. What is going on, peeps? Welcome to episode 119 of Fretzelmania. I am the North American treasure, the historian of Wrestle Addict Radio, Mr. Fretz. Today, I am reviewing an episode of SmackDown from June 26, 2003. It is quite the historic episode, and I will get into why that is shortly. But first... I'm going to grab my remote control, go grapple surfing, and see what else was going on in the world of wrestling that particular week. June 15th, 2003, saw WWE Bad Blood from the Compact Center in Houston, Texas, in front of approximately 10,000 fans, a buy rate of about 385,000. This was the second iteration of the Bad Blood pay-per-view name, which, of course, dates back to 1997, which featured the debut of Kane. Kane was a part of this event, but it was nowhere near as notable as it was in 1997. So this event saw... Ivory defeating Mighty Molly with the Poison Ivory in the Sunday Night Heat Dark Match. Kicking off the show was Christopher Nowinski and Rodney Mack, accompanied by Theodore Long, defeating the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon, after Nowinski hit him in the face with his undashing mask. Scott Steiner defeated Test to win the managerial services of Stacy Keebler, and nothing says pro wrestling in the early aughts than having a woman as a prize. You know, to uh, quote the Cultaholic Classic SmackDown review, when talking about The Godfather, this is the context, but the joke is, the joke is, hippity hoppity women are property. Booker T defeated Christian by disqualification in a match for the Intercontinental title, and thus Booker T does not win the IC title, as this was not contested under Canadian rules. Uh, Christian was cheating and uh, trying to do a bunch of underhanded things behind the ref's back, but Booker T got fed up, smacked Christian with the title, the ref saw it, 
EQ. La Resistance. Rene Dupri and Sylvain Gramier defeated Team High as Hell, Kane and RVD, to capture the Tag Team Championships. And I believe this was either the week before or the day before Kane would lose a match to Triple H and thus unmask, becoming unhinged, bald, slow chemical Kane. Uh, underrated. And I'm going to peek a little bit into that version of Kane once we get to some of the dual-branded pay-per-views. I'm kind of looking forward to SummerSlam and then their... I think they had an ambulance match, if that was SummerSlam, or if I'm remembering Survivor Series, or if I'm remembering something completely different. Uh, the Mandela effect is really running in my brain right now. Uh, La Resistance captured the Tag Team Championships, and hello, Herbie. The cat of the podcast is here to either suck up to me, jump on my bed, or uh, drop a shit somewhere on my floor because he's been known to do that. He's an old boy, but he's a good boy. Mostly. Goldberg defeated Chris Jericho in a match I think we were supposed to get in WCW and either egos or backstage politics or something got in the way. So we got this match here and... It was a Goldberg match. He got out of the walls of Jericho. Spear, Jackhammer, win. Ric Flair defeated Shawn Michaels in what was said to be a pretty decent match. Due to the interference of, I believe, a returning Randy Orton. And throughout the entire night here, uh, Steve Austin, the co-GM or the co-commissioner of Monday Night Raw, has been having... This redneck triathlon with Eric Bischoff throughout the whole night. So the first contest early on in the night was a belching contest. Take a chug of beer and have a belch. Austin wins round one. In the next one, we had... This wasn't named. The Wikipedia here is, so you know you're getting the right information. You know, according to Michael Scott, Wikipedia is the best thing ever. They would have to put their face on Mae Young's crotch. So either they were going to position themselves for a Bronco Buster and allow a 70-something, 80-something-year-old woman to do the Bronco Buster to you and put their crotch on your chest, not your face. Um, Bischoff won this after Austin forfeited and honored Mae Young. Okay, so... We have a tie. And in the tiebreaker, we were supposed to get a singing contest. I mean, come on. Have you heard Stone Cold sing? Have you seen that bit where he sung with The Rock ahead of Survivor Series 2001? Austin can sing. But it turned into a pig pen contest. And conspicuous by his absence, Henry O. Godwin, not there to lead the festivities, uh, Austin threw Bischoff into a pig pen set near the Bad Blood stage. And I guess Stone Cold won. This weird redneck triathlon to try and get Eric Bischoff. To... This was stupid. Stupid stuff. Uh, oh yeah, and then the main event. Triple H defeated Kevin Nash in a Hell in a Cell match with Mick Foley as the special guest referee. And this was said to be one of the worst Hal Macell matches, of course, I am not including Seth Rollins versus The Fiend, because it is, like, 
15 years before that match would even happen. So yeah, Bad Blood 2003, you can avoid that at all costs. And as I said, I'm only covering SmackDown, so once we get to the SmackDown events, Vengeance 03 isn't bad. It's a pretty damn good show, and I'm looking forward to doing that uh, sometime next month. NWA TNA. Now, the event that took place on this particular week was the... Oh, it was the one after I reviewed last week. So last year was technically the first anniversary, even though it was like the 49th event. So the day before this, we had June 25th, 03, Fairgrounds Coliseum, Nashville, Tennessee, in front of approximately 950 fans. Now the dark matches here, or what was possibly Explosion, the Sunday Night Heat, or the Velocity, the TNA, we had the the James Gang, the 3LK, the, the VKM, what, whatever you want to call them, uh, Conan, Road Dog, and R-Truth, beat Todd Sexton, C.B. Kane, and Delirious when Conan forced Delirious to submit to the Tequila Sunrise. David Young pinned Two-Face. Uh, I didn't know that Harvey Dent was a pro wrestler, so good for him. Julio Dinero and Alexis Lurie beat Alter Boy Luke and Daisy Hayes. Oh my goodness, Alter Boy Luke. That is a veritable who's that in the world of indie pro wrestling in the early aughts. Kicking off the show, we had America's Most Wanted defeating Triple X in a steel cage match to win the NWA tag titles. Oh, by pinfall, when Harris pinned Daniels after the, the last rights. I believe it was the last rights off of the top of the cage. I believe I've seen this before. And keeping up the steel cage match, we had D'Lo Brown beating AJ Styles by disqualification. A DQ in a cage match. What the? <sighs> just, just move on, frats. Move on. Jerry Lynn beat Justin Incredible in a lights out match. And how can you see if this was a lights out match? Yeah, it was probably a last man standing. Come on. Frankie Kazarian pinned Chris Sabin. Kid Cash pinned Eric Watts. Sandman beat Sonny Siaki by a score of 11 to 9 in the hard 10 match. Oh, the hard 10 tournament. Uh, yeah, listen to my episode last week and you'll get to hear some thoughts on that. And in the main event, Jeff Jarrett and Raven beat Glenn Gilberti and Shane Douglas again via disqualification. Oh man, early TNA. I mean, that's a that's a mess, folks. Honestly, it's it's ridiculous. And now on to the favorite show of the RA Era podcast and Apron Bump podcast, respectively, Velocity. Episode number 58 from June 28th, 2003. And this would have been right around the time I was finishing high school and saying goodbye to Brock High School forever. Billy Gunn defeated Canyon, so on this night, who better than Canyon? Unfortunately, it was Billy Gunn. Canyon got such a raw, raw deal in the Fed, like... A-Train beat Kevin Knight. Spanky, Brian Kendrick, beat Xavier. Of course, I've talked about Xavier in the past. Uh, lost him a couple of years ago. 
He was a former Ring of Honor champion, the inaugural, if I'm not mistaken, if not like the second or third. He had a big run before like the likes of Samoa Joe and CM Punk and Brian Danielson would. Then we had the team of Rhino and Chris Benoit defeating a new tag team, a relatively new tag team who debuted on Velocity a few weeks ago, the Basham brothers, Doug and Danny Basham. And I've only learned this recently. They weren't actually brothers. They just looked a lot alike when they both like shaved their heads. And this was well before they would become like sex slaves to Shaniqua, you know, Linda Miles, who called one tough enough with, with Nydia. Was it? No, Nydia and Maven, I think. Anyways, uh, one of the tough enoughs. The second one was just wrapping up at this point in time. So they all start to really, really blend together. Now, finally, SmackDown, June 26th, 2003, from the hallowed halls of the historic Madison Square Garden in New York City. We see a recap of last week's episode of SmackDown where Vince McMahon was arm wrestling the one-legged man, Zach Gowan, and he kicks his leg out of his leg. Sable takes him backstage, lures her into Vince McMahon's office, uh, seemingly takes off her top, climbs up on top of him, and starts playing, you know, the mind games of, oh, you want me, don't you? You want me. And God bless him. Zach Gowan's Oscar-worthy acting of, oh, I want you. And then Sable immediately just, boom, had games. Like, you think I would actually be with you? You're nothing more than an amputee. And jeebus. <laughs> okay, that that whole mess, the whole head games and Sable using him and, you know, oh, I wouldn't bang you. You have an artificial, oh boy. It didn't age well back then and it doesn't age well today. So Stephanie the GM of SmackDown is taking exception to this and just begging with Vince to stop all this and really taking the side of Zach Gowan. You know, this is a man that had overcome so much in his short life at that point in time. You know, he had cancer when he was young. He lost his leg to it. And now he's realizing his dream of being a pro wrestler. And that's admirable. Stephanie is shouting at Vince, you know, okay, I'm sticking up for this guy, and if you want to fire me, fire me. You know, not quite pulling the Ric Flair of, fire me, I'm already fired. And, my goodness, just, ugh. Then we finally open the main show with a John Cena open challenge, wearing a Celtics jersey in New York City. That is garnering heat already. It's a Larry Bird Celtics jersey, so put some respect on his name, but still, it's heat. We have your full circle moment of the week. Nate, take a shot. For John Cena issuing an open challenge to the SmackDown locker room, he references the same open challenge he answered from Kurt Angle one year ago and issues his own. It is answered by the debuting Orlando Jordan. Now, this was a man that has been on Velocity in the past couple of weeks, getting wins over uh, people like, I don't know, Shannon Moore, maybe Xavier or Paul London or someone like that. And Kidman has shown 
in the front row with, according to Taz, a couple of tomatoes coal. And John Cena calls him a Billy Banks lookalike bitch. I will rip through you real quick like Larry Bird ripping the Knicks. I mean, true story. Larry Bird, best three-pointer man of all time. And he says that Orlando Jordan will fit right in here with the New York City trash. Orlando takes exception to it and just starts beating down on Cena. We see punches and lariats, insiguries, and we learn that that Orlando was trained by the late Rocky Johnson, and based on his punches, his jucking and jiving, and his style, I can see how. We then see John Cena land a really nice spine buster. We get an F.U. by Cena, but Orlando gets out of it, lands on his feet, goes to the top rope for a crossbody, Cena rolls through, grabs the tights, and he wins the match. Afterwards, Cena hits an F.U. to get his heat back, and the Undertaker, of all people, comes out to make the save. And we have another full circle moment. Nate, take another shot. I am sorry. Where the Undertaker shows respect to the fallen rookie. Just like he did who Cena last year. This year, John Cena is brash, arrogant, disrespectful, showing no remorse towards the rookie. And Taker takes a liking to him. Cena bails. We're setting up for a match at Vengeance. Undertaker is staying in the ring because he is up next in a six-man tag with the APA going up against Nunzio, Johnny the Bull Stamboli, and Chuck Palumbo of the full-blooded Italians, the FBI. Sometime this month, Bradshaw was either traded to SmackDown or appeared on SmackDown or we had another draft. I'm not sure. I didn't look into it. So he came He came out last week to save Farouk, now going by his shoot name or stage name, Ron Simmons, from a beatdown on the FBI. So the APA are back in business. And Bradshaw is looking a lot more like, like JBL than... Blackjack Bradshaw, so he's quit dyeing his hair. He shaved off that amazing mustache, unless that was like, you know, taped on, but taped on really good. No, no, he had that tash when he was Blackjack Bradshaw and um, Justin Hawk Bradshaw. I am rambling. I am stopping. And I wrote down here that the FBI are at a combined weight of 701 and one quarter pounds. I always took note of people who were billed at a weight that had a fraction at the end of it, like Adam Baum was always billed at 292 and one half pounds, and Nunzio was like, you know, 201 and one quarter pound. I always found that fascinating for some reason, despite the fact I absolutely uh, despise math. I almost failed it in high school twice. Luckily, I only had to take it twice, or else I would have gone berserk. We see the taker hit the old school, or at that point in time, it might have been the middle school, to Palumbo. Nunzio bails after a distraction spot gone gone bad. Taker with a running DDT. Nunzio breaks the count. Ron Simmons with a spine buster on Stamboli. Palumbo puts Run in the Campbell clutch, making him humble. R.I.P. the Iron Cheek. Italy number one. USA. Bradshaw comes in with the hot tag. Hits the sack of shit, the 
fallaway slam, the last call, whatever you want to call it. We get a goozle and a choke slam on Bull, and in amongst the schmas and the chaos, Bradshaw hits the clothesline from hell on, I believe it was either, it was Nunzio or Palumbo, I didn't, I forgot to, and the baby faces win the match here. So we get three, you know, two rough and tough Texans, and what, where's Farouk from? Georgia, Florida, something like that. Yeah, just three old school tough guys who you didn't really want to F with backstage because these are three members of Wrestler's Court. And if you know any of those stories, uh, enough said. We then see a vignette for a debuting Ultimo Dragon. We are entering the age of Ultimo on SmackDown. We see a bit, not backstage, but in the streets of New York, where Jamie Noble and Nadia are on a romantic walk through NYC, and they are approached by a lawyer in the middle of the street in the middle of the night. That's weird. And he says, Jamie Noble, Nydia, um, I, unfortunately, I have some bad news for you, and uh, your Aunt Lucille died. And he's like, Aunt Lucille? Who? Who? Oh, and she left you $827,000. What? Freeze frame. What? They are now rich trailer park trash. And he goes to the guy, Hey, oh, Nadia, we're rich. Give him one of your special kisses. And goes for his crotch. Like, no, 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 no. Not that, Nadia. No, God. Give him a kiss. Like, okay. Baby, I love you so much. We're rich. We're going Applebee's. Really? Well, hey, if that's fancy for a trailer park guy, I'm not going to judge. Like, I met... The Trailer Park Boys, Ricky, Julian, and my long-lost twin, Bubbles. And they were in front of the Ricky's shitmobile, complete with toaster oven, uh, chicken fingers, the fucking good kind, $8 a box, and, like, all the empty uh, solo cups. Mwah, just a perfect touch. Niagara Falls Comic Con. You guys rule. And then Taz starts singing Kenny Loggins for some reason, and unfortunately, it wasn't Danger Zone. We then see a vignette for WrestleMania 20, because of course WrestleMania 20 is taking place in Madison Square Garden, where it all begins again. And I reviewed that show with Nate a long time ago, and when we come to it next year, I might review it again, but I also have plans to review a different year in uh, 2024, Lord willing. But yeah, we see a vignette about the first WrestleMania with, you know, Liberace and Muhammad Ali and the Rock and Wrestling, Cindy Lauper. Backstage, Sable apologizes to Vince for Stephanie walking in on them in the throes of passion because she has the hots for Vince and she can't keep her hands off of him. Oh boy, this is only going to get worse, folks, isn't it? Oh boy. Okay, good, good. We're on to some good stuff next. Matt Hardy, version 1, Versus Rikishi in a tournament quarterfinal match to determine the inaugural WWE United States Champion. Now, SmackDown has been without a mid-card title since, well, the brand split. So why not bring in a historic title whose lineage dates back to the likes of Harley Race and Greg Valentine, Roddy Piper, stunning Steve Austin, and... So many more that I'm probably completely forgetting about. Ricky Steamboat, Rick Rude. Yeah, that title. So today's Matt Facts, 
actually there's only one because that's all that TV has time for. And it's Matt has better abs than Rikishi. V1 is doing a bunch of trash talk. He gets a DDT. Kish goes for the avalanche, but the stink face afterwards is denied. Matt Hardy is now, of course, the former Cruiserweight champion, losing to Rey Mysterio over the past couple of weeks. Sorry for missing those episodes, by the way. And he is also without Shannon Moore and Crash Holly because he has been blaming them for losing the title to Rey Mysterio. Hardy is getting a lot of chance, and he is getting mega over. He has been pretty over since turning into Matt Hardy version one, but all, New York is a really smarky crowd, as you know, you know, like Chicago, like, heck, I'm looking forward to what the crowd's going to be like at Forbidden Door in Toronto this coming Sunday. It's, it's going to be really, really interesting. So Rikishi goes for the Rikishi driver. You know, he hits the Rikishi driver, goes for the bonsai drop, Matt Hardy gets his knees up, hits the twist of fate, Rikishi kicks out. Matt Hardy gets the turnbuckle exposed, but Rikishi hits a super kick. Rikishi goes for another avalanche, smacks his back into the exposed turnbuckle, twist of fate, and Matt Hardy, version 1, moves on. Josh Matthews, who has been doing ring announcing tonight, by the way, taking the job of Tony Chimmel, who was conspicuous by his absence i don't know where he was and i wasn't gonna subscribe to gravy davy Meltzer's newsletter to find out so josh matthews pulling double duty is interviewing billy kidman who is still sitting at ringside with a couple of tomatoes cool and he's like yeah it's i'm a little jealous he's saying basically that you know while he's at home injured he sees his friends like ray mysterio and tonight the ultimate dragon doing what he loves to do and that's wrestle you know kibben would come back not long after this and they're teasing a bit of a heel turn here but it's one that wouldn't come for at least another year following his uh, split with paul london next up for the smackdown tag team championships we have Roddy Piper and Sean O'Hare challenging Eddie Guerrero and Pajiri. And tonight, SmackDown is brought to you by Maxim Hair Color for Guys. Win a date with a WWE diva. Please let it be Mae Young. The JVC Tower of Power and Motel 6. And I used to think Motel 6 was called that because it was $6 a night. Not for... Another reason of which I don't know, I was young and stupid, and now I'm old and stupid. We see Eddie with a helo to Sean O'Hare in the ring. Tadgers with a really nice handspring elbow. He locks the tarantula on Sean O'Hare, but in doing so, Roddy Piper just keep nailing him in the back from ringside, kicking him in the back. Roddy Piper is back in Madison square garden and taz says that he has never been a wwe tag team champion you're just gonna have to wait about i think three or four years before that dream is realized with uh, was it rick flair from the spirit squad and then they yeah then they dropped them to rated rko Ooh, oh boy when i get there 
Sean O'Hare with the Davy Boy Smith Memorial Chin Lock and the Davy Boy Smith Memorial Power Slam, but it was reversed into a, it looked like a zigzag type maneuver uh, by, uh, by Tajiri. Eddie with the Fuego Tag Muy Caliente on the challengers. And then in amongst the schmas, in amongst the chaos, Kajiri is standing on the apron. Roddy Piper's in the ring. Piper gets misted, eats a frog splash, and still tag team champions Los Not Guerreros. We see a recap of last week where Brock and the Big Show, the world's greatest tag team, Mr. America, and Kurt Angle have this post-match beatdown. Next up, Vince McMahon walks down to the ring, and oh boy, oh boy, this promo. Um, I'm gonna need a second. Okay, I just went outside. I just needed an excuse to go check on my brisket <laughs> that's been cooking on my Traeger all day. It's almost there. It's gonna taste good, folks, but what's gonna leave a bad taste in my mouth is this next promo. Vince McMahon invites Zach Gowan into the ring, who comes out with Stephanie McMahon. Vince is trying to butter up Stephanie here, trying to kiss her ass, uh, if you will. And speaking of kissing ass, um, yeah, the, we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. So he's buttering her up, calling Stephanie the apple of of his eye saying that you know you help me with these certain business transactions i don't know that might have been dangerous i don't know the mob maybe i don't know what and you're a good daughter steph and this thing i kind of stole your innocence as a result what it's it's like that i personally deflowered you so this is where vince was gonna think about doing allegedly an incest angle allegedly still praising vince yikes and that you know he'll never forgive himself for that and that wasn't really clear what this business transaction or this thing that was weighing him down was, but the way he's phrasing things here is just, ugh, it's fucking creepy. And then he moves on to Zach Gowan, and he's like, you know, I haven't done what you've done. You know, I'm a billionaire. I'm a successful man, but I want to be Zach Gowan. You looked death right in the face and spit in its face. And I admire you for that. I've tilted windmills, whatever that means, but I'm not Zach Gowan. I want to be you, Zach. That's weird. So Vince McMahon wants to be a cancer patient with one leg or he wants to be someone who has overcome insurmountable odds. This is getting weird. So Vince is like, you know what? I want to apologize. I want to attempt to make the slate clean and start over. What do you say? Zach Gowan 
sees through this facade and says no. And then Vince McMahon kind of gets in denial just for a second, like, you know, I didn't hear that. Booker T being like, you know, tell me I didn't just hear that. And then he begins to manipulate his way into demanding an apology out of Gowan. And he says, you don't intimidate me, bitch. I went through things that can make you cry. I have overcome so many obstacles. I have busted my ass to become a professional wrestler to get here today. And you want to make a joke out of me? I spit on your apology. I don't want an apology. I want a WWE contract. Vince is like, that's it? You want a contract? Like, I'll give you a contract, but uh, you got to join a very special club to do that. Vince begins to uh, unbuckle his belt just a little bit. Oh, boy. He's like, well, you can join the Kiss My Ass Club, and the contract is yours. So he pulls down his pants, gets his bum out. Unfortunately, he doesn't make his ass do tricks like he did with William Regal. Because that, that, that was kind of funny. I mean, it's a great ass, isn't it? Yeah. I can make it do tricks. But he just clenched his butt cheeks together. So, Gowan's just like, okay, if this is what I have to do. Goes in for a kiss. Low blows Vince McMahon. Bails out of the ring. And Vince is literally caught with his pants down. And folks, this is where I'm going to take a quick ad break. Uh, check on the, the brisket again. Put a little spritz of... Uh, beef broth on it, cover it up with some foil because it's going to taste so damn good and get the taste out of that promo out of my mouth. When I come back, it's the Ultimo Dragon's debut, so stay tuned. What's up, everybody? This is Nate the Effing Great from the Brace for Impact podcast. Better bundle up because we're going up north. You are listening to the Fretzelmania podcast on Wrestle Attic Radio. The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, folks. By the time you hear this, we will have had the first day of summer. And why not kick off your summer with some fresh, new Wrestle Addict Radio merch? Link will be in the description below. It is on spring. The Fretzelmania and Mr. Fretz logos respectively got a bit of a revamp. A nice blue and white look for my Mr. Fretz logo. Of course, it's akin to my love of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Fretzelmania logo is in a nice blue and white. And you can also get some of my vintage Fretzelmania merch. We got hoodies. We got t-shirts. We got tank tops to show off those guns at the beach, fellas. We got sports bras, ladies. Beach towels, coffee mugs, travel mugs, water bottles, and so, so much more. Beach swim trunks as well. So when you're at the beach, when you're at the pool, say, hey, where'd you get that? You got that. On spring, the Russell Attic Radio merch store, the cure for the common wrestling merch store. Now, onto the rest of the show. 
Rey Mysterio, the new cruiserweight champion, comes down to the ring to observe our next match. It is the Ultimo Dragon versus Shannon Moore. Billy Kidman is also seen at ringside with this tomatoes pole observing the action. Now, this is the debut of the Ultimo Dragon, former WCW Cruiserweight champion. I believe he was the TV champion. He traded that title back and forth with William Regal, and I think Yuji Nagata. And this is the first time since WCW, I think, that he's been seen in a major American wrestling company. This is a man that was a martial arts student of Bruce Lee. His name is basically a tribute to the late Bruce Lee. Ultimo Dragon means last dragon. He is also the inventor of the Asai Moonsault, of which it is named after. His real name is uh, Asai something. So Kidman has a handspring elbow, the Asai Moonsault to the outside, a bunch of judo, karate, and kickboxing moves, because those are the particular martial arts that he is akin to. And it is noted here that he once held 10 simultaneous titles. And fun fact, one of them was the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship when it was defended in, I think, New Japan and Mexico. A lot of people have held that title before it became a mainstay on the WWE for about four and a half years. So Takamichinoku is technically not the first light heavyweight champion, but he is the first of that martyred era. Seriously, look at that title's lineage. It is crazy how many like great wrestlers have held it. So we see a wheel kick and a karate kick by the dragon. A moonsault to the outside is faked out. And then, uh, of course, death, taxes, and Asai moonsault to the outside by the dragon. And then we get this really nice super jawbreaker from Brett's rope, which leads us into his finisher, the Asai DDT, basically a standing slice spread number two, or, if you will, Salida del Sol by Kalisto. And Rey Mysterio comes into the ring here to. Pay some respect, and hey, would we get this feud in WWE? No. no. Dragon would be relegated to Velocity for the most part and leave the Fed just after WrestleMania 20, and if you know about that slip at WrestleMania 20, well, you know. And then we lead into our main events. Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, and Mr. America versus the Big Show, Charlie Haas, and Shelton Benjamin. Yet to be called the world's greatest tag team. Uh, tonight, they were referred to as the best damn tag team in the world. So, the phrasing would eventually get there. Uh, they are Team Angle no more, as they abandoned their once former mentor upon his comeback some weeks ago. And Vengeance is brought to you by Tomb Raider, Angel of Darkness, and man, I can't wait to get there. It's it's a pretty good event. And World's Greatest Tag Team's theme, I'm going to say it's goaded. It's one of the better entrance themes to come out of the Ruthless Aggression era. We hear a bunch of Hogan chants, 
and a bunch of USA chants because, well, everyone in the ring's American, so why not? Kurt Angle is wearing Team Angle gear, and I think he's trolling Hassan Benjamin here. It's kind of funny. And then Angle, instead of going to Suplex City, because, hey, I just had my neck done, I want to ease into this, he takes his protégés to Arm Drag City. Ricky Steamboat has entered the chat. World's Greatest Tag Team is working over Kurt Angle. Daz says that, hey, I'd like to see uh, Brock and Benjamin go at it, because they are former teammates, former Golden Golfers together at the University of Minnesota. Well, they are also the former OVW Tag Team Champions, lest we forget. Mr. America clotheslines Benjamin. Brock is tagged in and mauls Shelton in this match, leading Taz to call him a manster. Half-man, half-monster. Braun Strowman has entered the chat. That's his new gimmick when he comes back from injury, complete with Mantar outfit. outfit. Now I want to see this. If anyone listening to this is apt in Photoshop, I encourage you to send me a Braun Strowman Mantar Pokemon Evolution line. Brock Lesnar press slams Haas. Big Show double choke slams Angle and Brock. Mr. America gets in the ring, does the one, two, three, you boot. But Vince McMahon has a mic and he is dragging Zach Gowan out to the ring. The, distract, the distraction leads to the showstopper chokeslam, and Mr. America is pinned. Vince McMahon is uh, beating him down. Steph is begging him off. Zach, well, McMahon's like cutting a promo while dragging the man out to the ring. He's like, hey, Mr. America, is this your guy? Is this, is this your boy? Yeah. He starts beating him down. Steph is begging him off. And then Vince McMahon's like, hey, you want a contract? Then next week, you're going to wrestle for it. In a match, a handicap match, where you, my daughter Stephanie, will take on the big show. If you win, you get your contract. What? Okay. And that'll be that'll do it for this episode, folks. Just like that. Uh, this is a SmackDown that I vividly remember because growing up, I didn't get to watch SmackDown week to week. Actually, right up until this point, you know, my cable at home, I just had, you know, over the air, like 40 or something, like 20, 30, 40 something channels. And this particular morning, I turned on what I thought was going to be TSN for SportsCenter. I'm like, that's not TSN. I keep going up. It moved to this channel, and I keep going. I don't recognize these channels. And then I go, oh, there's the score, which is TSN's, um, no, which is Sportsnet now, I believe now. And like, oh, so I'll get to watch SmackDown. I tell my brother, who was just waking up for work, like, look at this. We got all these new channels. Awesome. It included Teletoon and comedy. I thought that was that was quite fun. So from this point on, I will have better memories of SmackDown as I have seen most of them between, let's say, 03 and, oh, let's say 2007 before I went out to, uh, to college. So thank you very much, folks, for listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I no longer have TikTok at Fretzelania. That's F-R-E-T-Z. 
L.E. Mania. This podcast is available on WrestleAddict Radio. Say it with me, kids. The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Uh, next week, I will probably be talking about Forbidden Door. I wanted to do something special for Canada Day, but time might not allow that for me to watch something and then review it. I was thinking of a Canadian pay-per-view, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what time goes. If I don't have time for it, I don't. <laughs> it's simple as that. So thank you very much. TTFN, ta-ta for now. And keep your stick on the ice. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.